0: Welcome to Paradox Walk Podcast, specializing in in glitch-in-the-matrix-type activity, dream realities, cryptids, UFOs, any type of unexplainable event. Today's episode will be completely about glitches and my personal glitch of working at a video store while the movie Shazam was on the shelf at the same time as Kazam, and I have an experience where a parent was going to rent the wrong one. And the kid was making a fuss at the register and no one else knew what he was talking about. And I went and got him the Shazam movie and handed it to a little boy and he thanked me enthusiastically. And I took the Kazam movie and put it back on the shelf and they got the right movie. So I'll tell that story and a couple from a couple stories from other people that have had similar experiences or video store owners that were forced to watch the movie for different reasons. Um, customers bringing it back in thinking it's broken or something like that and trying to get credits. And that story will be told here too. So the first story is from the Jimmy Church radio show, Fade to Black. This was in March of 2017. So this caller, his name is Jason. He claims that he had a weird experience involving the Mandela Effect in the Sinbad movie, Shazam. Which, of course, as of 2022, the year 2022, doesn't seem to exist. Uh, Many of us remember it. Those not in the know, if you've never heard of this, it's said that the 90s comedian and actor David Adkins, better known as Sinbad, appeared in a kid's movie called Shazam, which he played a genie. Many people that worked in video stores um, remember this movie, and it was actually released at the same time as Kazam with uh, Shaq, which, those two, if you know, those two actors look nothing alike. You know, if you look it up online, it, this movie seems to have never existed and never been made. And even Sinbad himself is on record saying that he never appeared as a genie in a movie called Shazam. But speaking to Jimmy Church, Jason found it incredibly bizarre. And he believes that it did exist and that he momentarily might have had proof of its existence but apparently the movie never really existed and it's this is him being quoted now so quote this really has bothered me because me and my wife and a whole bunch of other people remember this movie once again he repeats that now it's never existed quoting again so i guess it's maybe more obscure than some of the other mandela effects but the interesting story i have is i was talking to my neighbor And her name is Mary. She's in her 70s. She remembers it as well. And she meticulously recorded things and cataloged them. And she has a copy of it on cassette, but apparently it never existed. This is where it gets sticky. So, Mary, she has Kazam and Shazam written down in a catalog where she would write down the numbers of the tapes that she recorded her shows on. And she has both of them listed. Shazam was tape number 138. And she had it recorded and she remembered watching it. And she starts saying, oh yeah, he's a genie. He drove a taxi. He had purple shoes. She remembers it all. And she dug it out of all of her old cassettes. And she had tape number 138 in her hand. She came upstairs to check the catalog to make sure it was the right one. She comes back down the stairs and the tape was gone. She had torn her house apart trying to find it. And the tape that she had in... In her hand, the evidence that this movie actually existed is now disappeared. Interesting that it disappeared only when she looked away from it. So there's like this theory in quantum physics that if you're like looking at something, that it's a measurable thing. It's uh, being observed as having space and being measurable and being visible. But if this, say this in some weird way, they have this like weird machine that can like delete something from, you know, like you delete a file on a computer and it's, sometimes it takes a while, right? Like if you have like 20,000 things to delete, you might have to like walk away from your laptop and come back. What if like they did something with a machine and they have millions and millions of these tapes and recordings and VHSs. And they're trying to get rid of it. Maybe there's a lawsuit. Maybe someone got sued. Maybe they lost millions of dollars making this movie. And they changed their mind. Okay, fire up the Tesla coils. We have to delete this and make it so we never made this mistake. So they, like, turn on this machine. But it takes a while it has to like go through every every single thing that's ever aired and then wait for it not to be measured and looked at and stared at because maybe that messes up how the deletion works or something like that you know like if you can't delete a file like if you're watching a video and you try to delete the file while you're watching the video the computer will say there's an error what if these machines that undo history or something what if they can't delete it while someone's looking at it in the same way you can't delete like a song you're listening to while it's being played on a device. Like you, you get the little error message, right? I'm wondering if there's something like that going on with these things. Because with my case, I worked at a video store. It was called Hollywood Video. And I worked at it, man, probably probably somewhere between like 1998 I don't know the exact year some, somewhere in the, in the late nineties. And we had the DVD on the wall of Shazam with uh, Simba, Cause Simba was like more of like a famous, bigger actor. He was like really, you know, popular at the time. And we had, if you went in like the regular aisles, we had Shaq, the, the Kazam movie. Now the instant I got hired, I'm not exactly like a social butterfly but i'm not exactly shy either i mean look at what i'm doing right now like i'm not afraid to like kind of put myself out there a little bit so i went up to the you know every employee i'm like how can they get away with this like someone's gonna get sued right like it the boxes the boxes even look the same um i'm not saying shack looks like sinbad because they i mean like i said before like no one's gonna confuse those two people they look like almost like opposites right pretty much any employee that would, you know, look at, I'm like, how can they not get sued for this? I've never seen anything like it. And and to me, that was the strangest thing about working there. Everything else was pretty much normal, except that there was two movies that looked almost the same box cover, almost the same name. And I couldn't figure out how someone wasn't getting in trouble or getting sued or getting like, (laughs) you know, and, uh, I was met with like shrug. I as a manager, like, how you know? Don't you think this is weird? They just kind of shrugged. I, and I would ask like another employee. I mean, we were all like kind of like high school age or something. And it'd just be like, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm like going around it. Uh, you know, eventually, I just stopped asking because you know, if I was the only one that thought that that was just totally bizarre, and to this day, like, I thought something weird was going on back then. Like, either someone was going to get sued, or. I had never in my wildest dreams imagined one would get deleted from the complete existence of the fabric of reality, but who would have thought that, right? And so funny that there's another movie that's almost exactly the same, that's just enough for us to magically, they can point their finger and be like, no, all you idiots, you are confusing it with the other one. But I'm definitely not confusing it when I have a you know, one of my biggest memories of working at that store. I mean, not a lot of exciting things happened, but it is pretty exciting when a kid is almost in tears at the counter, like begging for his dad to like find the right one. He's like, no, I want the one with Sinbad. This isn't. One. And the dad was just ign- basically ignoring him, like saying, yeah, you, you just, you know, you're getting it confused. It must be this one. Cause they just walked up and down the aisles. They didn't check the new, it was like a, I don't want to say new release, but it was like, where you like featured the more famous and the bigger videos. And I went and got it for him. So I'm not going to like invent that. I'm going to read something from that I found on Reddit that kind of reminds me. It it seems like this whole podcast episode is going to kind of go together. I'm going to try to read these really quick. Quote, I managed a video store back in the heyday of video rental business. And I was responsible with my uncle, He was the owner I owned and managed, and dealt primarily with the video game side—so they're co-owners—for ordering the upcoming new release titles for rental as they became available. I took it upon myself to order two copies of the Sinbad Genie movie without consulting him. First, because they were such a great deal at half the price of a normal new release back in 1994— In fact, I ordered the second one in a bundle with another movie, which I think may have been called Invisible Mom, with D. Wallace Stone, written by W.C. Martell. I'm not sure this was the title, but the logo of the production studio was similar. The cover had the word Sinbad in a font bigger than the title, and had Sinbad facing left with a kind of a raised eyebrow and his arms crossed facing inside profile to the left. The movie was actually a children's movie and not an adult audience oriented comedy, which led to a lot of returns to the store with people saying there's something wrong with this tape, which, to my chagrin, led me to having to watch the movie to find the supposed damaged portion of the film multiple times. Honestly, I always thought these people just wanted a free rental The movie only had one funny scene in it, at least to me, and it went like this. The lamp is rubbed for the first time by the two kids, an early teen boy and his little sister who looks to be around five years old or so in their living room by the fireplace, while their single dad is out of the house running an errand. The boy rubs the lamp and Sinbad appears in full genie attire, turban, ridiculous spiral upturned shoes, earrings, silk pants and shirt, and I believe a green-slash-blue vest, but I can't say for sure. Sinbad stretches out his arms out wide, and the smoke fills the room and says something like, I am the genie of the lamp, and the kids freak out. The little girl screams, ah, it's a kidnapper, or something like that, as they run away. After Sinbad calms them down, he explains that for releasing him from the lamp, they'll be granted three wishes, and the boy is skeptical and wishes for something stupid that flew, either like a flying skateboard or a magic carpet or something. But I'm leaning towards more towards the carpet. The wish is granted, and the kids are amazed um, and agree amongst themselves to use their other wishes on something special and important. The little girl asks for her mother back, and Sinbad shows his tender, emotional side by saying, I'm afraid I can't do that. Not sure if this is because the mom had died or the parents were separating and he couldn't make people fall in lo- love each other or something. This was 22 years ago, after all. So, after agreeing to save the last two wishes and save one to bring the bring a wife or their old mom to help out their lonely, depressed dad. The girl breaks her favorite doll and wastes a wish by having the genie fix it. Shortly after, the boy comes up with an idea for a second wish, and the girl has to tell him that she already used it. So, with one wish left, the climax of the movie takes place at a pool party involving the dad, his boss, and a bunch of clients. During this scene, a film technique is used. Similar to that in The Gods Must Be Crazy, where the speed is intentionally sped up to make things look more cartoon-like and funny, but it ended up just looking stupid and lame. And this is where the wished-for flying thing, I think a flying carpet, appears and knocks down a bunch of people into the pool, which which includes the mean boss. They have some kind of happy ending, but honestly, I was just looking for the reported problem with the tape. It wasn't a good movie at all. And except for that scene where the genie appears, it wasn't funny at all. When my uncle sold the store years later, he specifically pointed at those two tapes I ordered and said, I hate that blanking movie. I think he said, I hate that FM movie. It never even paid for itself after all these years. So there you have the gist of it. If you can tell me another movie that has two kids, a genie that looks like Sinbad, or one of the wishes is fixing the doll. I'd love to hear about it. Please, please, please don't even bring the Shack movie into this conversation. I can't emphasize enough that it has absolutely nothing to do with this movie. So yeah, another other people remember it. Jonathan Brandis was in it. People remember Jonathan Brandis. This person posting remembers uh, renting it from Blockbuster right after they saw Aliens for Breakfast, which also had the main character played by the comedian Simbad. I first noticed the movie was missing around 2003 after hearing that Jonathan Brandis hung himself, oh my god, and wanting to watch it again, only to find that it, that it had disappeared. Yeah, people swear they remember it. This goes on and on. There's post after post. You could pretty much, like, kind of piece together the entire plot line, you know. This other person says... Simbad emerges and grants them three wishes and the sister chooses to fix her broken doll. My, like, and then their final wish is to have their dad fall in love again. Like, there's no way people are just, I never saw the movie. I was too old to watch a movie like that for the most part. Um, yeah, I mean, it goes on and on. I, I don't, I mean, I could just, I could probably make like five episodes just about this. But I gotta tell you, I, being somebody that worked at a video store, this was definitely a thing. The next one I have here kind of gets into, like, maybe mind over matter. I'm going to read this. I got this off of Reddit, and this is someone that took off their glasses and they started seeing. This is, quote, my eyesight corrected itself until I realized I wasn't wearing my glasses. For a bit of context, my eyesight is horrible, even half a foot in front of my face. It's just nothing but totally blurry color. Yesterday, my mom and brother picked me up to go to an appointment. I was running a little late so I didn't have time to put in my contacts or do my makeup and I was just getting ready to go on the drive. So my mom was driving and I was in the passenger seat with the mirror down. I took off my glasses to apply my eyeshadow. My brother, who was sitting behind me, asked me a question and I turned to look back at him. When I turned my head back around, I quickly finished my eyeshadow and shut the mirror. I was looking out the window and at the farmland just off the road and I was thinking how beautiful it was when I suddenly realized that I hadn't put my glasses back on. They were sitting on the dashboard. As soon as I had that realization, my perfect vision went back to being just blurred colors. It was instant, like flipping a switch on my sight. It was so shocking that I yelled holy shiznits My outburst startled my mom and brother. So I told them what just happened, and they said they believed me, but couldn't think of a rational reason for it. We tried to figure it out for the rest of the drive, but honestly couldn't. Um, TBH, to be honest, I think that means. If there's some secret to magically fixing my eyesight that I accidentally stumbled upon, then I wish I could find it again. Yeah, mind over matter is a crazy thing, and... Not sure if that would be a case of a glitch or mind over matter or something. It seems like these things, when they happen, they seem more like um, subconscious or kind of like when someone's not thinking about it than actually thinking about it. I'd have to like kind of, it's hard to quantify that. I'm just going to read this real fast and then I don't know how much of my own I want to put in there because I don't have a lot of experience with like Uh, psychology or like medical stuff so this is a this is a man talking so quote my wife had her first stroke and was hospitalized for over a week i never left my wife's side despite a huge setback that was caused by what i believe to be an incompetent nurse she had taken my wife's blood pressure while she was sleeping and she said that it was normal however even during her sleep it might have been high because of the stress so she'd pushed for my wife to be released the next day, but when my wife woke up, her blood pressure shot back up. I believe the nurse should have known that her blood pressure could have gone back up after she woke up. The nurse tried giving her several injections and pills to bring blood blood pressure back down so that she could be released, but the stress of it all, plus possibly some medication that was given to her by the nurse, caused my wife to have her largest stroke yet one of her eyes looked like it was going to pop out of her head and she was so incoherent that it was terrifying her mom and i were both in the room and she was stabilized and released about two weeks later at home i became her constant caregiver which i am to this day a month or so later i went out to get groceries i did this the car that he shares with his wife it he wrote it kind of weird Quote, and it's a black Honda Element, which is important for the story. And I'd like to mention that my mother-in-law also drove an Element, but it was orange. I load the groceries into the car, and I drove home. My wife's mother comes out to meet me when I arrive back. We lived with her as her husband passed away in 2010. And my wife's mother was in a panic, asking where I'd been. And I was confused when she asked me that, and I told her that I went to get my wife and I some food. Then the look she gave me was absolutely that of pity and grief. She called back into the house to my wife's adopted brother who also lived there. It happened again, she said. Come help him inside. She then looked at at me and hugged me softly, crying a little, and said, Honey, your wife passed away in the hospital a month ago. We were both there. You sold your car to pay for the funeral. That's why you had to borrow mine. I stared at her and I pulled away and I swirled around to look at the car that I'd just been getting the groceries out of and it was an orange element. There was no groceries in the back. Our black element was nowhere to be seen. My brother-in-law came out and they tried to get me inside. As the full weight of reality hit me, my wife was dead. Not waiting for me in our room with her cat. She was dead and I would never see her again. As the screen door closed behind us, when they got me inside, I felt this jarring sensation after that happened. I felt this other strange feeling. And then I opened my eyes and I looked in the rear view at the groceries and I'm back. This was definitely our car. And I pulled out my cell phone and I called my wife. And I woke her up from her nap, and I told her what I'd just experienced. She was freaked out, but comforted me, and she reiterated that she was okay and I'd see her at home when I got there, which I did. I know it sounds crazy, when I came back from shopping to find my stroke survivor of a wife had not in fact survived her strokes. I had not been driving the car that I was driving. Apparently she was dead. But I guess I was just spacing out or something? Because as soon as I realized that my wife was dead, I found myself back in in her old car with the groceries in the back seat. And thank God my wife was alive, waiting for me at home. I know all this sounds crazy, but it really happened to me. I know that I was there. It's almost like I shifted to another plane of existence and then came back. So a psychologist or psychiatrist or some kind of doctor would listen to something like that and then say he's got, like, early onset dementia or something. It's funny to me that the word dementia sounds like dimension. Like, it's... He claims that it seemed to him like he just, like, flip-flopped between, like, two different dimensions. And people that have dementia seem to be going to these different types of what they call realities and it's scary it's frightening very very sad and like devastating stories that i know of and it's uh but to hear it put in this story that way i'm not saying that this man has dementia it just doesn't it seem weird that the the mother-in-law in the story said like hey it's happening again help bring him inside like that would be something that you would see like in the movie the notebook or something at the end I don't want to give away the end of the notebook if anybody's never seen it so i'm not going to say but it just reminded me of that and it reminded me of the stories I hear. so i'd like to thank everybody for checking out the podcast i uh, remember to click the rss feed and i've now started loading the episodes onto youtube so that took a while The music has been Downbeat 88, the opening track is called The Dark, and the last track is called Moment of Peace, and Downbeat 88 is also on YouTube, Spotify, and thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.